Hey, here's part two of my interview with Chef Just Blaze, episode six of On and Off Podcast. They told me that I couldn't really drink like that. I could drink here or there, but you can't tell somebody that's addicted to alcohol that they can't drink, you know? So I started back drinking within three months after I first initially stopped all the way up until 2016. And at that point in time, my current relationship that I was in, it was taking its toll on it. You know, I wasn't cooking as much. I was just cooking just to get by with enough money to support my habit. You know, I wasn't taking pride in my work or in myself. Wasn't really eating like that. I dropped down to about 165 pounds. And by the time I really got checked into the hospital, you know, it was really severe. I got diagnosed with severe liver damage, acute kidney damage, um, damage to my bile ducts, my gallbladder. Um, and pretty much I was looking at like a three-month lifespan if these steroids that they gave me didn't really work for me. I wasn't involved in any programs for mm. AA. They told me I wouldn't be on any list to get any transplant. You know, if you don't stop drinking, that's it, you know? And that was after I did a transjugular biopsy in order for me to find out what was really going on. And they said, you're in bad shape. And all I can remember is, you know, praying to God the last time and say, you know, this is me again. You know, just please just give me the opportunity just to do the right thing. You know, just to come around and to be the person that I know that I could be. And I remember I prayed so hard even before I went and voluntarily took myself back to the hospital because I knew I was going to have to stay. And even being in the hospital, like my levels were extremely high. Like my Billy Rubin was 21 and it was supposed to be... 1.2 or something like that they said and it was like really up there my liver enzyme counts were like in the 700s it was really bad and even the doctors and the residents were looking at me like how is he still walking around and talking and functioning doing all these things and so optimistic like yeah I'm, he, I'm going home you know and it just worked out in my favor that three months turned into five years um, I, I, I can't lie to you. Um, first of all, I have to Google some of the things you just said to me about the different parts of the body that weren't, weren't, um, um, functioning all at once. I'm like, I'm a little like, I mean, like literally not to be graphic, mm. but going to urinate, like it was the color of like Hawaiian punch, like that dark. When you oh, go to goodness. use the bathroom, <gasps> you know, your stool mm. looks like dark ribbons of like, let's say casserie, if you want to be descriptive, that color. You know, it was like really yeah, bad, yeah. which means that it was probably some form of internal bleeding going on as well. Yeah. So how did you how did you decide to yourself? I mean, after, you know, you, you know, you finish with the hospital and, you know, you you're on this road to recovery now. And which is which is I mean, it was, a it miracle. was a lot of hard work. I mean, it was just one In of those opinion. things where, yeah, you could decide that. You're going to stop drinking today, but all the urges, all the behaviors, and you've been doing this for years. It just becomes part of your personality. It becomes right. part of what you do. It becomes part of who you are. It's embedded of you. You're always going to be an addict, but it's all about how you move and how you navigate around that. How you clear your thoughts. What do you do as an outlet? Right. Like, that was my outlet. But now I know I have no other choice. If you drink, you die, you know? 
And the liver is the only organ that can really yep. regenerate itself due to whatever injury or trauma it might have. Not to say that I still don't have scarring or I don't have certain things going on, but that issue is not an issue for me because I never drank after that. So you, you're, you, you, would you call yourself like a cold turkey just quitter or? You, I'm a realist. You, I mean, it took, it took it's a second, pretty like much a black or white. You drink because you're enjoying yourself now. You're going to die. You know what I mean? It, it, you won't get a chance to see your right, son raise it. up. You know that your mom has to bury another child. You know, it's a lot of things that go through your mind. And it wasn't difficult. Like, I know yeah. I put my mom through yeah. a lot during that whole situation. She didn't know how to deal with it. I'm talking about mood swings, acting up, you know, trying to fight my father. It was a lot, you know, jumping out of moving cars, you know, arguing with my siblings, getting very volatile. It was it was a lot to deal with, you know, and she she had a lot to deal with. She used to pray for me every day. Like, and she used to tell me that, you know, she was scared to go to work or leave me there or because you never know what you might come home to. But I had the full understanding of the situation of what my sister went through living it, you know, in different periods of my life. So, I mean, it all goes back to square one. And I think that me going to her gravesite and, you know, after all that time, I did that last year. It kind of like came full circle for me. Opportunity to see my son, you know, graduate high school, junior high school, much as less, you know, I was younger right. at the time. I think yeah. I was like 30, yeah. 32 or 33 at the time when, you know, that whole situation happened. I was 32 turning 33 mm-hmm. when that mm-hmm. whole situation happened. And I could have been dead, you know, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think I ever lived out my full purpose. So I'm still around. You're still around. <laughs> you're still cooking. And you have you you have more of a story to tell than I realized, sir. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, People are not. I, I'm a firm believer that um, people are not just what meets the eye everybody has a really detailed and deep story but no a lot of people to... that met me too they were like i didn't even know you were a chef you don't look like a chef i'm like what does a chef look what like? does that mean you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what does a chef look like i didn't know we had to look a particular way Mm-mm, you know but Mm-mm, being a chef also it, it saved my life it gave me that outlet where i was able to transition that hurt pain trauma into an art into a craft something i took pleasure in seeing people take yeah. enjoyment out of eating your food or trying certain things or, you know? Right. When you make their right. event or people are just continuously talking like, oh my God, and I referred you to this person and we love this. And, you know, it comes with the charity too. I, yeah. I tend to lean more on that now, giving back to the less fortunate, doing more like community type work or if somebody needs a hand doing something, you know? And I feel firmly like my wife always talks about paying it forward and from since that moment when I stopped drinking that's all I've been doing is paying it forward you know I'm grateful to be alive to be able to do what I'm doing still doing it on a high level and you know maintaining my sanity all in the same process I have nothing but respect for you my man you know your love of food though I do want to go into that Mm -hmm. When did that, or where did that come from, and how did that start? I started in the kitchen at a fairly early age. I would say probably seven, eight years old. Um, see my mom in the kitchen, you know, coming home from school. She tell you not to touch the stove, and of course, you know, I don't. So, 
you there mm-hmm. mixing up your little box macaroni and cheeses or frying eggs or making egg salad or, you know, you're doing little things. And then me and my brother we used to be in the house driving her crazy, running up and down and, you know, being boys. And she would grab me because I was the older one, come here, drag me in the kitchen and have her help her do her prep work. You know, things that she didn't really want to do. Cutting up onions, scallions, grating cheese. Sushi. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> And then from there, yeah. you know, you're sitting down, you're talking to your mom, you're hearing all these different stories from back then and how this was originated and when they used to make this and what they, you know, cultural things. So for me, it became a learning experience as well. And I was cooking yeah. from that point on. And I just, that was just something that I was always naturally good at. I think even at an early age, I, I made a Thanksgiving dinner by myself. I mean, it took all day because, like, you didn't know the whole, you know, letting the stove <laughs> work for you. You you know, you cook it in the way that you grew up or how you're doing one thing at a time. And, you know, but it was able to get done. All when I was in teenage years, my friends and my old coworkers, they could tell you back then. And then coming wow. out of high school, it's just like, what do you want to do now? And I went to high school for okay. business, but I know that I couldn't sit down behind somebody's desk for a nine to five. That was just never really my thing. Yeah. So I yeah. went to City Tech, I think about 2001. I went for um, hospitality management, but they wanted you to do all the core classes first. And, you know, you're thinking you're going there to be hands-on they're like no you got to do all your core classes first before you could do the kitchen work and i'm like nah this is not for me so i stayed there probably like i'd say one semester and then i think by the time i was yeah 25 i went back to the art institute and in there i I really fell in love with cooking the techniques the ability to just learn so much i was able to soak up so much in school that when i graduated from school i graduated with a 3.9 gpa the only 0.5 i was missing was from my cu 100 chef and he told me he said you know i can give you an a but you didn't earn it i think because it was one of my test scores it was like not 100 obviously so he said, I could give you an A because you worked hard and you didn't earn it, though. And I don't want you to think mm. that you're better than what you are out the gate. You know, you still have to remain humble. Always remember to remain humble. And I remember that till this day. Remain humble and keep doing what you're doing. Let your food speak for you. Right. Right. So you decided at some point to to do this whole um thing full-time after school did you work at first in a restaurant or did you work always on your own i worked actually for um i interned at the friars club and then when i came out of the friars club i went to sloan kettering the cancer hospital in the city and i was working in the cafeteria but then at that point in time it started tying into my other trauma that i explained previously that's when i really started having really bad anxiety attack that's when my son was born as well so i didn't know how to process and navigate through all of that so i stayed at sloan kettering maybe for like i would say six months if that much and then i was out of work for like maybe i would say five months but then when i went back to work it wasn't in the cooking field i went back to working in a bank so i always felt like I needed to be in the kitchen, but you got to take what you can get in until you get what you want. And I knew that I had a child mm-hmm. to support. So 
you know, I started off small, just selling regular cheesecakes seasonally to my coworkers when I was working in the bank. And it wasn't until I was actually working for Downstate that I decided to actually take, you know, what I was doing seriously. And then that was when the weekly specials were formed. <laughs> right. And that kind of right. exploded. It went from you cooking for 10 of your coworkers to you selling 150 orders or doing 150 orders within a span of 45 minutes. You understand what I'm saying? Crazy. Yeah, and it was everybody orders? coming out. NYPD, you had people that was in witness protection. You had firefighters. <laughs> you had people that was from the food department actually coming out. So it was just one of those things that I was always blessed with. But with that blessing, you know, if you don't remain humble, it'd be taken from you. And that's exactly what happened to me. So, yeah. Once I stopped drinking, I had to pretty much relearn everything all over. The people that I was around, mm. who was for me, who wasn't for me, you know, who was around that could have helped me, that didn't help me, you know. Yeah. It, it's a mix of yeah. emotions that you go through. You go through anger because you're like, all right, the people that didn't know didn't do anything about it, you know. And the people that could have right. helped didn't help. And, yeah. you know, the people that were there, you're blessed and you're grateful that they were there. So, like I said, you know, you just learn how to navigate through that. And food was very therapeutic for me. And I'm sure, you know, as you, you flip your life around to, you find that there are people that are, of course, as you mentioned, for you and or whatever the case may be. But then you also, you know, not everybody want to see you come up. It's rare that you will come across mm. people that genuinely would go out of their way for you. And those people that do right. that for me, I appreciate them. And they know who they are, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. others that I sit around and I just watch. I used to entertain the nonsense, but now I just separate myself from it because that energy is not really needed around me. So, okay, so fast forward, it's, it's 2021. 20. No, 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 2020, <laughs> I'm going back. Before, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. you, you made it just in the nick of time and got married. Correct. Um, and you were able to have your family and friends around you and you chose, I'm sure, a wonderful person. I haven't never met her in person, but um, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. You chose somebody who's a strong woman to stand by you despite the experiences you've had and, um, you know, um, going to stand by you through thick and through thin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there anything from your individual, how do I say this, individual collective experience? Uh the 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 amalgamation of all the experiences that you've had so far in your life that you want to bring to not only your marriage but um to the children that you both raise and just to even if you end up having more children at some point in your in your lives together um anything that you want to bring to those children as a collection of experiences to that. I think the full thing is full transparency, but you have to know mm-hmm. when and how to approach and navigate through certain situations. Even with dealing with children, like I had to explain to my son about, you know, alcoholism and I didn't want him drinking and the reasons why and you know, I explained to him what I went through. He saw firsthand, you know, so I think full transparency when it comes to anybody, your kids, your spouse, whether you're in a relationship, it's good. Communication is that that focal point. And I feel like without that, you won't get anywhere. People won't really understand you. They might see you navigating and moving through life because that's what you have to do. But they don't know what's going on in your head. They don't know how you feel. You know, and 
sometimes yeah. you just have to be as brutally honest as possible, even with your kids or your spouse or your parents or, you know, you have to let everybody know how you feel and where you stand and always protect mm-hmm. your enemy. I believe that. I believe that. That's that's right on there with that. Um, so, you know, you're you're not 40 yet. Nah, so I'm not going to call you middle-aged yet, <laughs> Nah, I still look like I'm but, 25. Okay, okay, okay. That's, that's going to Guyanese gonna, jeans. You know, 25 and holding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you can sum up who you think you are as not only a chef, not only a person who has uh, survived um, experiences, unique experiences, um not only as a husband, not only as a father and a son, tell me who you think you are um, in your own words as a result of your life so far. I think I'm just a reflection of my environment. I think that I'm somebody that exhibits growth, change, Mm -hmm. prosperity. You know, I think that I'm also somebody that shows tremendous strength, not only physically, but you know, mentally and spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Knowing your story, now knowing more of your story. I think that um, growth is a, is a wonderful word to use to describe what you are. And if, if, if nobody in this life believes that things can be changed, if you want it to be changed, you know, you have the, the experience, your experience um, to, to testify to what that could be, could mean for them. You know, if nobody believes also that if you've gone down a path where you, you know, it may not be alcohol, it may not be whatever, it could be some other vice, you know, but if you don't think that you can break free from those things and you think that it's impossible to do so, everybody has their own, you know, individual. Yeah, like when they talk about generational curses too, they're not only speaking on, you know, what might have transpired in your household, it might be alcoholism that's linked not only to you to your uncles to your father to you know your brothers to everybody and breaking that you could show people that you are strong enough not to live up to this stereotype and the things that I loathe I end up doing I end up becoming that person you understand what I'm saying Mm -hmm. I end up Mm -hmm. following that same footsteps yeah and I'm 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 so happy that I've got the chance to 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 chat about this it really is on a Sunday afternoon it's eye-opening for me I was going to prepare to just like do some things around the house after this and whatever, and just kind of like, you know, get into my regular routine. But um, I I, I think it's no mistake that we talked, we spoke today about this because there are some things I think, even in my personal life where I'm just reflecting on um, my own experiences as a result of our conversation today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um. Yeah, you know, I, I lost my sister when I was um, eight years old. Wow. And she was, she was uh, much older than I was. Um, however, I didn't grow up in the same house with her like you did with your, with your sister. But, the trauma was still there, though. I mean, it might not have been impactful yeah. as if you were living there with her, but I can only imagine, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, being that young and um, having that experience, that was... Remember how you said that, you know, you, you feel like you, your childhood just cut off at that yeah. point? That's exactly how I felt when I went to go see my sister um, the week she died. It's not all yeah. about, you know, harboring what happened to you. Because I used to use it as an excuse all the time. Oh, well, I'm thinking about my sister and this is the reason why you don't understand. And 
ah, my sister, yeah, but I was using it as an excuse as well or as a crutch whenever I was in a tough situation and I knew I could get out of it as that was like a scapegoat. But then once again, I'm not honoring her. I'm I'm, I'm stepping on her memory by doing nonsense when I know what's yeah. right and what's wrong. You know what I mean? So I had to start taking yeah. accountability for my own actions. And that was another thing that came along with that growth. I'm not always right. You understand what I'm saying? My approach is not mm-hmm. always right. I mean well, mm-hmm. but it's all about, you know, how you go about and how you speak about things and how you navigate towards certain situations or through them. Yeah. Yeah. Much respect to you, man. I appreciate our conversation Thank today. You, I really do. Thank you all for standing by a whole week for episode six of my interview with Chef Just Blaze. Um, really, 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 really dope individual. And I'm really privileged to have been able to speak to him at length about his experiences growing up, um, how he overcame uh, his struggles with addiction and managing grief and anxiety. And, you know, it's an ongoing process for anybody that has that their struggles. It's it's it's, it's not going to stop. As he mentioned, you know, this is something that he'll always be struggling with for probably his entire life so um i'm glad that he was able to tell his story in out of his mouth and from his own words and from his perspective it's really important to hear anyway um have a wonderful wonderful week stay active i know it's easy to just kind of like curl up in a ball at home most of us are still home and chilling um some states have opened back up so i mean do what you want with that information be careful wherever you are of course use your common sense and um as always please uh subscribe leave a review share with friends and that's it have a wonderful week and chat with you soon bye